Okay. Um, I think my first question is going to be, um, where were you born and where did you do most of your growing up? Okay. So I was born in another state. It's New York. And I was born in one of the boroughs of New York City. And it was, it's Brooklyn. So there are five boroughs of New York City, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Manhattan, the Bronx. Well, I almost had a mini senior moment. So I was born in, in Brooklyn, New York. And um, well, Julie, you've heard this already, but I have to share it because it's important stuff. I'm from this place in Brooklyn, which is right on the ocean and it's called Coney Island. So right on Atl the Atlantic Avenue, the Atlantic Ocean. Have you ever heard of Coney Island? And I have, I've never been. You've heard of it. Do you know what it's yes, a little bit famous for? Um, not really, I don't know much about it. Okay, because there's a very famous amusement park right on the ocean. And um, I lived right across the street from that. So that's where I grew up until I was about eight. Um, and then the neighborhood got to be kind of filled with lots of drugs and poverty and danger and crime. And this was in 1970. Whoops. And so my parents got a little bit of money and we moved to the suburbs of Long Island. And, then, and that's where I grew up until I went to college at 18. Yeah. Where did you go to school? Well, I went to two different colleges. Both of them were state universities. In, in New York, it's called State University of New York, as opposed to University of Iowa, which is a state college. I started at a college about five hours away from my mom and dad and brother and sister um, called Binghamton. And then when I was a sophomore in college, my second semester with the support and nudging of my parents and a really good flute teacher, I transferred to another state school uh, called Purchase. Purchase, really close to Manhattan. And I studied, that's where I studied music. Yeah. Um, what instruments do you play? So the, the instrument that I went to college for is the flute. And I started that, like most kids, in band when I was 10. <laughs> and um, I love the flute right away. And in fact, when I was in sixth grade, my grandma bought me my own flute. And I remember I was only 11 or 12 and I was crying of gratitude <laughs> <laughs> when I opened it up because it was a total surprise. So I really... Always love the flute, and that's what my undergraduate degree is in, in a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Flute Performance. That's so cool. I wish I was talented with an instrument. Um, what is it about the flute that just is so amazing for you? Well, I mean, I think when I was 11, I liked that it was silver, 
you know, it was small and light and so pretty. And it's kind of a popular sound, you know, it's like the bird and it's in jazz. And um, what I love now is I'm really good at it. <laughs> so like I can pick it up and like I can make some some beautiful sounds out of the flute because I, I've been playing for 45 years. So it's a real joy when you when I can pick up an instrument, pick up my flute and, you know, give other people happiness too, because I've performed for years and, um, and it's just feels really good to be really good at something. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, what's your favorite memory involving the flute? The flute? Well, that crying in sixth grade was a big one. Um, I have like, a memories of being a senior in high school how old are you which which grade are you in maddie i'm a junior this year junior so i was about your age a little older and i just remember really dreaming about going to juilliard in manhattan and living in manhattan and being a professional flutist and i just you know i spent like a good year kind of dreaming about that and it was a wonderful dream to have. Yeah. So those are my memories sure. of like when I wanted to be a professional and just move to the city and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, let's see. How does music impact your daily life? Does it impact your daily life? Yes, it does. It's a huge part of my life and it became... You know, it sounds kind of corny, but it became like a good friend in this pandemic because um, not that I play my flute a lot, but um, I don't. I, I teach. I have a few flute students, so I, I take my flute out. I teach on Zoom. <clears throat> and when I take my flute out, I usually play a little bit after I've taught. So I, I do play every week, like four times. But music um what i do a lot now is sing <laughs> and it sounds kind of funny but i sing on zoom there are many different um they're called song circles and they're just these really beautiful songs that are pretty simple and they just have amazing messages like you're okay where you are, or life is unfolding as it unfolds, or trust right now, or you are here and whole. So I go to some of these um, song circles, and when you sing on a song circle, you can't sing with other people at the same time, as you know. So I'm just singing in my house alone, but there's a leader teaching us these really kind of profound and meaningful, simple songs. And in this terrifying, lonely time, it's the knowing how to sing and harmonize and love music has been a real uh, gift. So, and on top of it, I'll play the piano and then I'll play the guitar and like sing my heart out and dance and, you know, I just, listen to music and watch my favorite artists on YouTube, you know, the, the normal. <laughs> um, 
Has music always been kind of a coping mechanism for some just emotional hardships? Um, I don't know if I use it like that's a really good question because I am using it as a coping mechanism now in this year. But I think it's always maybe it was just so so always there and so integrated and woven into my life i never really even thought of it like that so it's a really cool thing to think about um i think a coping mechanism was probably breathing in you know when i'm when i'm really stressed out or meditating yeah i've been doing some meditation recently too um was what did you end up doing for your career? You had said you had dreamed of going to Juilliard and having music involved. Um, how did that ended up happening for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I finished college in 1985 and then I made my living as a preschool music teacher, a private flute teacher. And be, I stayed in the area of my college. So I kind of got connected with other musicians and sometimes we would play people's very rich and fancy cocktail parties or the walk down the aisle um, weddings. And so I did that for about two years and I was making my living that way. I was a youngster. I was like 23, 24, 25. And then I decided to go to graduate school at the urging of my mom and dad, who are both educators. They've been teacher and uh, school counselor. And I went on to get a master's to become a school, an elementary school counselor, which I did do, but not until I was in my 40s, because I did lots of other things, like raise children and live in Brazil before that. <laughs> live in Brazil. That sounds amazing. Can you tell me some more about that? <laughs> it is amazing. Um, well, when I went to music school, I met a man, a young man, a young boy named Benjamin. And we decided to fall in love. I fell in love with the only foreigner and he was from Brazil. So after a long circuitous trajectory we married at 30 years old and I moved to Brazil two weeks after we got married and I got to live there for two years. Yeah. Um, did you continue to immerse yourself in music when you were in Brazil? Yes. In fact, I made my living playing even more weddings in Brazil. And I will tell you the, the best story about that. So I got to Brazil and I was, I'm not going to lie, I was very sad because I did not speak Portuguese. And the only person I knew was Benjamin, who I didn't really know that well because we had been broken up for many years. <laughs> it's a long story. Um, but I had been there about six weeks and I was a, a flutist, you know, I was, I was still playing and I was very good because I was only 30, right? And I finished college about 23. Um, and Ben Ben is a musician too, here in Iowa City. And he was friends with lots of musicians. And one, one day he told me, you're getting picked up in 20 minutes 
by a married couple. They're about our age and they're going to take you to a church and you're going to play a wedding. <laughs> I remember getting, you know, I was very animated and excited to learn Portuguese and not, I'm not inhibited to make mistakes and stuff. So I was like, okay, that sounds fun. And um, they picked me up and I trusted them, you know, and I really could not speak to them much. But because we were playing music, it was like we kind of could speak the music language and they spoke like a teeny bit of English, but I will never forget like going to this church with strangers and not being able to communicate but playing a wedding. It was really, really cool. So It yeah, sounds but, like music has just kind of been your way to connect with people. I think that oh, yeah. is, that's really beautiful. I agree. I feel very grateful for that. Yeah. Um, you said that you went back to your master's as um, an educator. How do you think that music connects to education and how it impacts children growing up? Mm. Well, the first thing I'll say is the fortitude, perseverance, stamina, dedication, responsibility that you need to have in music. Uh, translates to every part of my life. You know, like those skills helped me move forward with a master's and become a school counselor, become a mom, just everything, everything. Um, as far as, I mean, what I did when I was a school counselor and I did, I, I'm, I'm done being a school counselor, but I did it for 14 years and I always used music in my lessons and um, just the sensibility, like the idea of listening, you have to listen with music, you have to listen with people and just kind of like vibing at the same time, you know, like having like be able, able to read the room a little bit. It, I think it helped me be a better counselor because I had played music with others and you really have to have a very like sensitive ear if you want it to sound good together. So I would say it's in some ethereal way, very much connected. And I, and I connected it because music is so fun with kids. <laughs> so I'd be the school counselors like, you know, singing about my body and feelings and things like that. <laughs> yeah. I wish my counselors did that. Yeah. Where did you go to undergrad? Uh, undergrad. Your elementary. Um, I'm actually from Oklahoma. Um, I moved here for my freshman year of high school, and I went to an elementary school. It was a public um, elementary school, and I I don't think I enjoyed it very much. I moved there from a different place in second grades, and I've never been very good at making friends. Mm. But. Um, it was in middle school that I think I really met my friends. I went to a performing arts school that was a combined middle school and high school. Ooh. And I think I really found myself there. I really enjoyed it. Cool. I'm going to want to hear about that. I cannot wait to tell you. <laughs> um, what ended up bringing you in then to Iowa? Well, he got the job here at the University of Iowa um, in the music department. So we've been here 22 years and I've loved it, except the last couple of years. Personally, I don't love the way Iowa's going, but 
I'll have to live with it for now, politically. And I, that's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. Um, what's your favorite part about the university and just kind of Iowa City? Mm. Well, so do you know Iowa City, Maddie? A little bit, not as well as some of my friends do, but I'm getting to know it. Are you now in Iowa City? Yeah, I'm in Coralville currently, so we go into the city a lot. Oh, okay. You're in Coralville, Iowa. Mm -hmm. Okay, understood. Well, when we moved here, we had a two and a half year old little darling daughter. And it was, it is just a great place to be with kids. You know, you know, the library and the parks and like the summer camps and the preschools and the friendly people and, you know, and being from New York, I constantly in the beginning when I was first in Iowa, would be like, God, I'm glad I'm not on the, the highway. I'm so glad there's no traffic. Like, look at, I could just roll my little stroller baby and go into the library. I mean, it was so accessible and so easy. City park pool. I mean, everything. I love it. And it had some museums. And then I can go to classical concerts at the U and jazz concert. And I mean, it's endless, the theater and really cool people, really smart people. I made like really warm, smart friends. Good like stuff. That. <laughs> um, let's see, where, is there anything that you haven't explored in the music world that you want to, or that you plan to? Good question. My dream is to be able to play funky electric bass. And I bought a bass three, four years ago because I play guitar. So it's, you'd think it's kind of connected, but for me, it's very challenging. And I took some lessons and I probably was okay. But I, what holds me back is I can't seem to real, well, first of all, I don't practice. So I'm going to be honest, I'm not getting any better just by thinking about it. <laughs> Um, but I can't really sing with the bass and I, it's hard. It's not the same as singing with the guitar. So that would be my dream is to like, be like a really good bass player, <laughs> but I don't know if I'm going to do it because it takes work. Well, I bet you can get there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, what has been the, have there been any really cool or unique opportunities that music has brought you or that you've been able to have specifically because of your musical ability? Mm. Well, like I said, that fun playing in Brazil, and I went on to play lots of other um, parties and just be, you know, on the, in the inside of Brazilian culture and stuff. So that was fun. And then, um, one amazing memory with music is when I was also young, about 25, I got to spend the summer in Manhattan, in the city. We call it the city. That's what Manhattan is, the city, as if it's the only city in the world. So snobby, New Yorkers. <laughs> um, I got to live in the city and play on the city streets. So I had a trio. And that was very cool because it was so like romantic. You know, I'm talking 35 years ago and I was playing on the Upper West Side with 
um, even though we were like street musicians, to me, it was very, very cool. And sometimes we would make like $30 each and then we would spend half of it on like Chinese food. And it just felt good to be like earning money. People would throw us money in our little um, cases. And then one night I went downtown to Washington Square Park, which is a famous park in Manhattan. And I played my flute with a friend who was playing guitar. And like we we gathered like a big circle around us and a guy came and he had a parrot on his shoulder and it was like very exotic and it was cool. That's a good memory. That sounds cool. I wish I could have seen that. It was very um, cool. What's your favorite type of music to play? Classical still, Mozart. Brahms, Beethoven, Schubert, Bach, Handel. But I can also improvise and play kind of like, you know, indie rock or, I'm not gonna say I can play jazz, but I kind of can, but I'm not really a great jazz player. But I have a good ear so I can find the chords and make sense of stuff. Do you have a favorite piece to play? Not really, to be honest. I mean, I could say like the Bach B minor flute sonata or the Mozart flute chord, uh, concerto, but not really. <laughs> but once in a while, if a, if a piece comes up and I'm like, oh my God, I love that piece. No. <laughs> but not a favorite. Yeah. Do you ever wish that you had gone back to New York or do you think that you ever will go back and be in the city again? Mm. No, do not want to go to any city. <laughs> I like small city. I like small city like Iowa City. Um, not inter not as I've grown older and calmer, not interested at all in the hustle, bustle, dirt, expense. No, I love quiet now. It was good when I was the dream when I was young, perfect timing. Yeah. yeah. Is there any, is there a dream location that you want to travel to once it's safe to travel again? Um, I mean, at this point I miss my mom, dad, sister, brother so much. My dream right now is like, I want to get an Airbnb for a month in Denver and like be my neighbor, be a neighbor to my folks or be a neighbor to my brother. Want to go to Amherst, Massachusetts, where my sister is. Want to go to West Palm Beach, where my parents, like I just want to go and live near my family for a month each. But um, I really do want to see Alaska and Hawaii. And I do want to see the Redwood Forest and I want to go to Seattle and, um, somewhere in like Asheville, North Carolina. And this is so many beautiful places in this country. That's where I'm sort of at right now. Not so much um, international travel. I, I, think I'm, I think I'm skittish from the pandemic, to be honest. For sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of, what is kind of the first thing that you're gonna do once um, everybody's vaccinated and the bans are lifted? Wow. Um, 
probably take my car and go visit all my girlfriends with a mask and give them the biggest, longest hug and cry. <laughs> <laughs> just hold, hold a girlfriend as a friend and just, yeah, that's, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that like my last kind of question is I've heard it said many times that um, music is kind of the international love language and the language of the soul. Do you agree with this? I agree with the soul part. Maybe not. I mean, yeah, we could throw love in there, but I, I agree that um, because it, it's kind of untouchable and inexplicable that I do believe it touches upon something like energetic and deep and kind of uncovers some memories or rememberings from ancient times, to be perfectly honest. And I think it comes through generations. And yeah, I think it's a pretty profound thing to connect with music and I can't imagine the world without music. It would be so strange, but it's so hard to like grasp it. Like, what is it? You know, you blow out, you make a sound. Someone else does something with a string and, you know, but it's so beautiful. And it's so, um, and I think everybody can, you know, enjoy even just like banging on a desk in a rhythm or using their voice in some way. So I think, pretty connect a, a connecting thing yes on a soul level that's so pretty <laughs> yeah um did, did your children pursue music at all or did you want them to they both i have two daughters we have two daughters and they both have beautiful voices natural intuitive musical ear that's because i sang constantly while they were growing up just for fun you know and um they both did choir but they didn't want to pursue music and i think we I, we probably said don't <laughs> but if they did it would have been fine because we know it, it works out it all works out as long as you stay healthy everything works out definitely yeah um I'm going to jump right into the COVID question. So what, how, what's it been like for you in COVID time? And what do you think you learned maybe in this year that you might want to bring with you when people are vaccinated and things open up in a bit? Yeah, I think I've definitely learned that um, I'm more of a social person than I thought. I have a lot of social anxiety, um, so it's easy for me to shy away from situations where I have to put myself in the spot. And since I haven't been forced to do any of those, it's, I've realized just how lonely it is. So I think that I'm definitely going to take that knowledge and take more risks, um, like socially, not physically, but that kind of thing. And I also realized how important it is to embrace self-care and to make sure that you're prioritizing yourself. Um, I'm a type one diabetic, so I am technically in the high risk category. 
And I, at the beginning of the pandemic, I didn't really think of it as something that could affect me. Like I, I followed precautions and everything, but it was still like, I'm young, you know, I'm, I'm sure this, this won't impact me very much. And then it, it, I started to think about it and recently, and so, yeah, this is definitely something that I, I should always be focusing on my health. So I think I'm definitely going to take that going forward. Mm-hmm. Good. What can you, what is type one diabetes? Like if you feel comfortable sharing, like what happens in your day to day or how has it impacted your life? For sure. So um, when I was eight years old, I got really, really sick in January of 2012. I um, just had a really bad case of the flu. I was bedridden and almost hospitalized. And then thankfully I recovered. But over the next six months, I started to lose my energy. I was thirsty all the time and I was just kind of moody and I was losing a lot of weight, but it was so it was in over such a long period of time that it was kind of hard to notice. And I was a young kid in Oklahoma. It's hot. I'm running around. I play sports. So none of the changes were really noticeable. And then one day I got, um, I was playing a soccer game and I was so tired that I almost collapsed on the field and we ended up going to the doctor and they checked my blood sugar and they saw that it was 630 which is not good as the range for most normal people should be about 80 to 110. Um, So I stayed in the ICU and that's where I learned that um, my pancreas, which is the organ that produces insulin, had stopped working. And though they don't know for sure, they hypothesized that when I got sick, um, something happened and either the virus attacked my pancreas or my brain shut my pancreas down. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely something that was a little hard to hear at eight, but I was, I was young enough that it wasn't changing my whole life. Like I hadn't kind of figured out who I was yet. And I was old enough that I knew that I needed to take care of myself. Yeah. So on a daily basis, what I do is I, I check my blood sugar and make sure that it's in range and I manually give myself insulin. Mm. Um, which I give myself a little bit every hour. And then whenever I eat something to cover for the carbohydrates from that, so my body can break down the sugars. So it's, it sounds complicated and I'm sure that it looks complicated, but I've got this rhythm down as I've, I think this will yeah. be my ninth year. So mm-hmm. It's yeah. definitely something that I don't think about how much it impacts me until maybe I see, I remember what it was like before. I see other people like not worrying about their blood sugar, but I think it's also made me a more mature person and I've gotten involved with a lot of organizations to help younger children. And I, I just feel very fortunate that my family was able to handle it financially and that I never had to worry about that. Wow. So yeah, that's a lot. Is type one diabetes then considered juvenile diabetes? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, So typically children are diagnosed with type one as it's more of an organ issue and less of a lifestyle issue. So I've never really struggled with my weight, whereas some people with type two may struggle. Yeah. Um, You can be diagnosed when you're older. My uncle actually um, developed it when he was 20. But typically, it is younger children. Okay. Well, thank you for telling me that. And um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a road that you are 
traveling, right? Mm -hmm. We all have our roads, our twists and turns. I guess in quarantine, not quarantine, but staying home more, it probably is easier to manage, I bet, because you're not out and about as much, I'd imagine. Sometimes, yes. Other times, I feel like I, I'm very lazy because I'm, you know, doing homework in the same place where I sleep and it's, <laughs> my lives are kind of colliding. So okay. I find myself getting a little bit too lax, but I'm, I'm working on finding a balance. Yeah, good, good. All right, let's go to the performing arts part. Um, when did you, what's your thing? What's your art? And tell me about your schooling. I think you said in seventh and eighth and then into high school. Tell me all about this. Yeah, so I, um, when I was younger, I always wanted to be an actress or a singer or something like that. Um, I think every little girl wants to. Um, <laughs> and I got involved in a theater camp that was run um, locally by some people involved with theater at the university in Oklahoma City. And we would have these week-long camps and there were different themes and you would put on a play at the end of the week and you just had a short two-minute play and it was some of the happiest memories of my mm. 16 years took place there. I grew a lot more confident and I met some people that really just changed my life. So it was through this camp that I found a love for acting. And then I heard about this school where you can choose either the international baccalaureate program, which is the academic program. Mm -hmm. And, or you could choose to be a fine arts student and you could choose a major. So you would be a dance major or a band major, um, there was also um, acting and drama and stage and art. And it was really just a place that kind of fostered the arts, which is as someone who grew up in a public school and in an area where public schooling was not well-funded, it was a really cool opportunity. So did I you, was an IB. Did you sleep at school? No, this was just a day school. Um, it was actually a it was technically a charter school because you had to apply to get in, but um, it was public in the sense that you didn't have to pay, which was amazing. We had a really diverse range of um, students of different socioeconomic classes. So there was also a lot of diversity there, which I, I really enjoyed. I was an IB student, so I did the academic side, but I was I got very involved in stagecraft and building sets and designing lighting. I always got nervous when I was on stage and I kind of found a way to be involved in acting without having to be on the stage, which was one of my favorite things. I loved that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was gonna ask, cause you, you said you're a, well, that you have social anxiety and that you're, you know, a little challenging with, to connect with people. So I was wondering how you integrated um, acting or be or even being with um, thespians, because there can be a very animated group in general, if I'm stereotyping. So how did that all work with your shy, timid anxiety, but now you're in the theater world? I think that my 
family really encouraged me to join because they had always heard me talk about wanting to be on TV and do all of these things. And it, because it was set up like a day camp and they focused so much on the child and learning rather than the actual performing, I think that kind of helped ease some of my anxieties and it gave me more confidence because when I performed well and I performed with my peers, I wasn't standing alone. I was standing with a group of people, um, but I'm also a people pleaser. So I was anxious the entire time that I would mess up mm-hmm. and it kind of taught me to face these worries because they're not going to go away and I need to, there's something I'm going to have to live with. And I think that it was a combination of that because at the end of the day, I really did just enjoy performing and I was able to kind of put that above my worry. Would you say now you, you enjoy more costume uh, sets, lighting, directing that? Yeah. I think that I, I really enjoy that side of it. I think that it's the technical side is something that I found that I was naturally good at, whereas I had to try a little harder with um, mm-hmm. acting and singing. Mm-hmm. And I found, I think it helped that I was the group of people who were involved in stagecraft. Um, I ended up really liking. Um, so I think I, I haven't done too much since I've been in Iowa as it was just an awkward transition from middle school to high school. At the same time, I, the theater kind of switched into the background and I regret that. I think that I should have maybe gotten involved, but I still love going to see the plays at West. And I think the sets are incredible. So did you come from Oklahoma to Iowa when you were going into ninth grade? Is that it? Yeah. So the school that I was at in Oklahoma City admitted children at um, sixth grade, and then you could stay until you graduated. Um, I transferred, so I was there for three years. Right. And what brought you to Iowa City? It was a combination of things. Um, My parents met here at the university. They were in the Air Force ROTC program. And they kind of fell in love there and they stayed together throughout their Um, assignments and their deployments. And we ended up a little bit of everywhere um, until my mother left the military when we were living in Texas because she had my sister. And at this point that was two children. And she decided this really just, there was no way for her to advance in her field and my dad to advance in his and them to stay together. So my mom decided that she would leave and she went to law school. And we moved to Oklahoma City, well, a couple different places in Oklahoma, but we ended up in Oklahoma City. And my mom was a practicing lawyer and she got a job opportunity in Iowa. We had kind of been looking at leaving Oklahoma for a little bit. Um, The political climate was getting very tense and um, there was a lot of issues with school funding. There just public school was not a priority. There was a lot of um, religious private schools that were kind of taking precedent and I really enjoyed public school and I wanted to have a good education. So that was one of the motivations. And my mom just got this job offer that fell in her lap in here Hmm. where they went to school. So stars kind of aligned. Yeah. So you're at West High? Yes, ma'am. Oh, very nice. Very nice. My children went to City High, so I know (laughs) 
Are you in the show choir like my kids were? No, unfortunately, I never really had, I didn't have room in my schedule as I chose journalism. Uh-huh. Cool. Wow. So interesting, isn't it? People's lives. Um, what's been challenging for the family with COVID? What's been happening in, you know, in the house? You have a sister, mom and a dad, anybody else in there? Um, my two dogs. I've got um, my mom, my dad, my sister, and my two boxers, Jack and Ruby. It's been, it's been good. Um, my mom has the ability to work from home, so that's been nice that she's able to stay safe. Um, but there also aren't a lot of attorneys in her office, so she can safely go there. I think the most challenging part has been adjusting to online schooling because um, you've got my sister and I both doing schooling kind of independently. And I've always been very gifted academically. It's something that I have never struggled with too much. But this year has been, I've always heard that junior year is the hardest year. And I think I definitely agree with that. Um, there's a lot of challenging classes and I'm kind of teaching myself, but it's definitely taught me that I can, I can persevere. And if I put my mind to it, I can definitely educate myself. Um, we worried a little bit about my dad he is a pilot, um, so that was kind of touch and go for a while. He was lucky enough to not be furloughed and maintain his job, which is nice. And they're flying again, and they're, they're being safe. So we haven't had any issues with COVID in my house. So he's like a commercial pilot? Yes, he left. He officially leaves the Air Force, I guess this year he had like his retirement celebration last year and then he's just finishing up some paperwork. Wow. Fascinating. Okay. So what are you looking forward to when uh, we're safely vaccinated travel or theater? What, what do you dream about? I think I'd just really like to have a normal senior year. I'd like to go to the football games and hang out with my friends and, go to prom and homecoming. Um, I also really want to go see my friends in Oklahoma. We stayed really close with social media, mm. which I'm so thankful for. And I haven't been able to see them in for over a year. Um, over the summer, my friend and I both quarantined for two weeks and then she came to stay with me. So that was the highlight of my summer. And I'm hoping that we can do it again as kind of our last summer as high school students. Oh yeah, I bet. I bet this summer will be easier to do that. Yeah. I hope so. Right. You'll be a senior in high school. Yeah. That'll be good. No matter when this happened, whatever stage we were at when this happened this year was such a challenge. Um, how would your good friends here or half describe you, Maddie? Like, what would your friends say? Oh, Maddie is. Hmm. I think they would probably say um, resourceful. I tend to be studying a lot and kind of involved in school. So academic and resourceful in that sense. Um, caring. I think I'm called the mom friend of the group. I always have snacks and I'm always... I'm always that person that um, my friends call when they've got to talk to somebody, which I think is something that I'm very happy I get to be for them. Wow, beautiful. That's great. So nice that you recognize that too, that it's such a, 
it's such a gift to like be a listener, to be a person who can be called upon to be, you know, supportive. But we, what well, we, I'm like that too. And my daughter, my younger daughter is like that. And we talk, she and I talk about self-care that you can't let it happen too much. Like you have to protect your um, boundaries, but yet you want to be super caring. So it's a, a lifelong lesson to like be a giver and a carer, but also care for yourself. Yeah. Right. Um, what's your favorite school? Like, what are you studying? Like right through the year, what were you like? Wow, this is amazing. Um, I'm an, I do journalism and that's a class at West. So I think that that is my favorite class so far. Um, I also have a big interest in psychology and I'm not taking that class now, but I've planned it into my schedule for next year. So I'm very excited to take that course. What kind, like, how would you describe your writing style or who do you want to emulate or who do you love, you know, writing stuff? Yeah, I started with creative writing when I was younger. Um, I was always the kid who turned in a five-page essay instead of a five-paragraph essay. Um, and I think that it was, it was just kind of, I was always very encouraged by my teachers and my parents to continue writing and to use it as an emotional outlet. And I did. I never liked poetry much. And I think it was because when it was taught in schools, it was always just Shakespeare. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And I can only read so much Shakespeare, especially since you're usually given the child-proof Sparks Notes version. But um, it was last year that my I had, I think, the best English teacher I've ever had. And she taught poetry in a way that just made me really enjoy it because it wasn't her telling me what to write. It was her telling me to pick up a pen and just go. And that really, especially since it happened right as we started to stay home. And mm -hmm. that was the first remote learning that I had. And it was a way to kind of express how I was feeling and to feel like I was still connected. So mm -hmm. I think that I've definitely found a special love for poetry now. I really love the poet Rupi Carr. She is a um, Canadian poet who is also an immigrant and she just kind of writes this, these really beautiful poems about what it is to be a woman, to be a woman of color and to be, to be a citizen of the world. And it doesn't matter what your experiences are. I feel like you can just read her poems and feel like you know her and also feel like they're written for you. Is it C-A-R-R? Um, K-A-U-R, I believe. Okay, thank you. I'll look, I'll look her up. <laughs> Pretty good. Wow, that's a really, really wonderful story, what you just told about that you didn't, like or think that you like poetry but then it happened at this time that you had this wonderful teacher and then during the beginning of the shutdown that's that's a that's something I bet you'll remember just your segue into this whole expansive style which I know nothing about poetry but I know that it touches upon a different thing in here than like a novel or an essay, you know? 
I know, I know that much. <laughs> yeah, so cool. Hmm. Um, okay, well, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of another COVID question because Julie seems to need some COVID questions. Um, yeah, well, I asked what you're going to do after. Well, how have you kept yourself like entertained or content? Besides, I know you have to work, you know, at school work, but what do you do for fun? I guess I'll say. Well, I'm a soccer player, so I've been able to continue playing. Um, it's not, it's contact without being too much contact. So it's pretty safe to play in a mask. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in the transition period from the time where I play with an outside club versus the time where I play with um, my high school. So we're getting ready to do tryouts for high school. That'll be coming up over spring break. So I'm looking forward to that. It's definitely something I enjoy. Um, let's see. What do else. you like run in the house to keep your, you know, aerobic capacity up and stuff? Um, I try. So I actually was injured um, in November. I've had an injury that keeps coming back. It's stress fractures in my tibias, which are not near a runner, but um, I've been doing physical therapy for that, which keeps me active. And I've been lifting a lot of weights. I really like lifting weights. It makes me feel strong. It makes me feel confident. Yeah. And you can do that at West. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've been able to lift with my soccer team and a couple of girls from the softball team. Are you choosing to go back to school in person next week or next try? I will be staying um, online. Mm -hmm. I just think that I've kind of been online all year and I've just settled into a rhythm. And also I'm um, a little worried with the second variant in Iowa City and diabetics have just, type ones have just been moved up to the high risk category with some new research. So I figured probably should just stick with what I know. Yes, good. And your sister, is she younger than you or older or what? She's younger, she's 14. So she's in eighth grade. She will be having her first year of high school next year. And I'm very excited as it will be my senior year. So I'll kind of pass the torch, think it'll be fun. Maybe you can drive her to school. Yes, that's, I joked around and told her I would make her ride the bus and my dad threatened to not to make me take the bus. So I will definitely have been driving her. Cute. <laughs> oh, very nice. Where do you want to travel to? Like, what's a dream of yours? I've always wanted to go to Europe. I have never been and I think that one of the things I've heard is that the hard part is getting to Europe. And then once you get there, you can kind of travel all across Europe for relatively cheap because of their open border system. So I think that that is something my dream would be to be able to backpack across Europe and go to London and Edinburgh, Scotland. And I'd also really love to go to um, India. I think that I've heard so many just interesting things and I've watched a lot of documentaries about um, the food and the culture and it just seems like a really interesting place. Imagine, yeah, amazing. 
I hope you do get to go to Europe. I'm sure you will. It's it's very doable because the train system in Europe is really good. So you can just hop and go. I, me and my best friend, we're still best friends. Um, we met when we were in seventh grade. When we finished college, we went to seven different countries for eight weeks in Europe. Um, wow. A, it was, it's a good thing to do. Do that if you can. <laughs> I definitely want to. I've been looking at a couple colleges actually in um, Scotland and, and in London. So maybe. Wow. That would be cool. To college overseas. It would be. I guess they can get, you can get your um, bachelor's there in three years. And they have, um, I guess they tend to be at least like $10,000 cheaper. So definitely looking at that because I, I'd love to have my own adventure and go out of state. I, I love the University of Iowa. It's an amazing school and it's a great journalism program, but mm. it's so close. I, I kind of want to do, I want to have an adventure. So anything out of state is kind of expensive. So who um, knows? Out of country. Out of country. We'll see. I'm, I'm sure that the overseas payment is a lot, but I think the experience would be worth it. Oh, that's great. That's so cool. All right. Well, that's a good place too. Ah, and a hopeful future travel place. I love it. It's going to happen. Thank you. Keep my fingers crossed. Yep. Fun. Nice to talk and meet with you, Maddie. I've loved talking to you. You have some amazing stories. Yeah, well, everybody does. You just have to take the time to to like make a nice Zoom invite and do it. <laughs> I actually <laughs> go, I go to this in, infrequently, let's say every eight to 10 weeks, it's called Unhurried Conversations. And it's just a group of strangers. We just, there's like eight, you never know who's going to show up. And um, you just talk about whatever that, you know, you have to do this before you want to talk. And then you talk and when you're done, you, and it's amazing where the conversation goes. It's a very cool thing. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I know. So just mentioned. Uh,